In this fifth episode, I talk about navigating my newfound singledom. I discuss a couple flings that I had leading up to a trip to Jamaica and some wise words from my dad regarding manifesting not only your ideal partner, but anything that you want out of life. So I hope you guys enjoy episode five of Passing Through Jamaica. Listen to his jokes. No, no, no. Listen to his passions. Nameless passions. Laugh at his terrible jokes. When you laugh, you gotta show some neck. And if you met his mom, ladies, you've gone too far. Candied crystal drops of Sauvignon Blanc lined my lips as I spoke this strange mantra into my iPhone 6. With a Snapchat following of about 4.5 people, I clinked my glass on the screen, congratulating my reflection on our newfound singledom, then pressed post. Spring was fading into summer, and for the first time in years, I was untethered, free from the desires and expectations of any man. I didn't have to hesitate to tell anyone I was going on a trip. I didn't have to text back in two minutes. I didn't have to call anyone before bed. I didn't have to give some lukewarm synopsis of my day. I didn't have to stroke anyone's ego, rationalize anyone's jealousy, or manage anyone's insecurity. I didn't have to do shit. All I had to do was drink this wine, watch this sunset, and invite the breeze to dance, the wind lightly kissing my neck and caressing my waist. It almost felt wrong to feel this good. Aren't you supposed to feel lonely? Sad, at least? Why don't you miss the person you were just with? Are you okay? I questioned. Your girl was twirling around the house, humming while washing the dishes, singing with birds. I was one animal conversation away from either being a black Disney princess or admitted to the hospital. But breaking the routine of romantic relationships was the most refreshing thing I'd ever experienced. A chance to meet myself anew, devoting all of my time, attention, and energy to relentlessly examine parts unknown. The world was my oyster, and I was determined to mine every single smooth, shiny pearl from its tightly clenched shell. Weeks following my breakup with Justin, we exchanged fairly typical text messages. He was looking for closure, and I, admittedly, was pretty lackluster in my eagerness to give him any. I thought, yo, I'm in no mindset to be in a relationship, and even if I was, it wouldn't be with you because we have a completely different set of values, wants, and needs, was a good enough explanation. My phone hummed with text messages, three tritones blending into one. It just hurts to feel like you're so distant. It's like you don't care about me or anything going on with me, read his message. My fingers tapped the keyboard to craft a response. I'm sorry you fee... Nah, that, that sounds disingenuine. I don't know what you want me to... Nah. Man, I don't know what to say to this dude. No explanation would heal the hurt of unmet expectations. No words would fill the deep, bottomless pit of loneliness tilled by an abrupt ending. This I knew, all too well. Tired of another emotional text exchange, I set my phone on the counter and took a seat at the dining room table. Unzipping my backpack, I removed my laptop, notebook, and a handful of pens. Twenty minutes later, my dad walked in the house. We kissed, hugged hello, and routinely asked about each other's days. My dad and I always have very meaningful, poignant conversations. I'm beyond fortunate to call him not only a father, but a mentor. Our topics can range from business to culture to politics, history, philosophy. 
but he's always been very sparse and specific in his boy talks with me. Being a fairly liberal Nigerian man, he still holds some traditionalist views, and talks about the birds, beads, and boys were not something he was accustomed to while growing up. These talks were never given to him or his siblings. My grandparents' doctrine on dating was, never date, especially if you're a woman. But one day you should magically be married. And if you're not by a certain age, something's wrong with you, especially if you're a woman. Nah, he said softly. Your mother tells me you ended things with uh, that one guy. I'm proud of you. Taken aback, I paused and said, Thanks, Dad. I felt like it wasn't a good fit. When I'm ready for another relationship, I really want to be with someone who meshes well with our family. Justin only met my parents once in the few months that we dated, but his sheer lack of interest in who they were, illustrated by the disproportionate amount of time he spent either on his phone or looking for me when I stepped away for two seconds, was enough to affirm why I didn't really want him meeting them in the first place. Even if someone you're dating vehemently insists, think twice before bringing their energy around people you love. Cam, on the other hand, saw my parents off and on during our three and a half years together, never really forming a strong connection with either, but always expressing warmth and respect. When he slipped into his funk, he distanced himself even more in fear of judgment. When Cam and I broke up, my dad never made any comments. So coming fresh out of a fling with Justin, I was surprised he even said anything. Maybe this was an all-inclusive, I'm proud of you. I always seemed to underestimate his natural knack for observation, his zen-like patience when watching situations bloom, blossom, then predictably wilt. Without ever saying I told you so. Just offering helpful words of advice when the time is right. You now have a few relationships to reflect on, he continued. I think you should write down, in present tense, a description of your ideal partner. If you meet someone who matches 60 to 70% of that, you'll be very fortunate. But like anything else, without a definite aim, you're shooting in the dark. It doesn't have to be too elaborate. Even if some of the characteristics sound silly, keep writing. It's just for you. I did something similar before I met your mother. After he left to the gym, I flipped to a blank page in a chrism red moleskin. I tapped my pen on the paper, thinking. Clicking and unclicking its point with a small divot above my chin. Ideal partner. Okay, ideal partner characteristics. Shit, where do I fucking start? Well, reflecting back on my previous relationships, I'm crystal clear on what I don't want. So what would be the opposite of what I don't want? Okay, I have a partner who is loving, kind, gentle, respectful, tall, dark, handsome. Okay, that's not a bad start. He's not intimidated by my success because he has his own. He doesn't need to dim my light so he can shine brighter. We shine together. He pushes me past my comfort zone. He's intelligent, funny, cultured. We travel the world together, trying new things and meeting incredible people. He fits seamlessly into my family, as I do his. That wasn't too bad. Now that my ideal partner was scribbled onto an off-white 5x8-inch piece of paper, I could finally fully commence my first single summer in years. I knew exactly what I wanted for my relationship with guys that summer, and it was not a relationship. And unfortunately, if that was the case for them, they'd be wasting their time. I'd be wasting their time. I was craving girls' nights, fruitless text message exchanges, friends with benefits, the fizzy sweetness of champagne cocktails, spur-of-the-moment makeouts that weren't teenage random, 
Looking back, that's kind of gross. I wanted to make out with guys I knew. I wanted good music, better food, and trips with my ladies. When you're newly single, you quickly realize that guys are like fruit flies. You have no idea where they come from, they're never in short supply, they're fairly annoying, and they multiply. I think some sort of bat signal or pheromone is released when you're boyfriendless. You start getting hey text messages from guys you haven't talked to in years. Do you still live in blank city from ex-coworkers, and what have you been up to from old classmates? Bartenders become nicer, the grass becomes greener, the sky bluer. It's like these dudes have a yo, she's finally single group chat that you know nothing about. Before the first buds bloomed, I'd already secured the perfect friends with benefits situation. Although I was still entertaining a handful of text messages from randoms, because your girl had to keep her options open, this guy fit the mold for a longer stretch of routine hookups, with no attachments. We'd known each other for about three years, there was shared attraction, the occasional harmless flirting. He was by no means a best friend, or even a good friend, which made our situation even smoother. Looking back, he was kind of a narcissist, which at the time worked for me. He didn't have the bandwidth to care about anything or anyone more than himself, which meant there were no strings to begin with. The benefits part took shape on a random Wednesday in the city. He invited me to go to one of his friend's gallery events, and I gladly accepted a friendly invitation to sip free booze and listen to people talk about abstract shit like activating spaces. The room was stocked with people too important to talk to one another. I made it an entire 35 minutes without someone asking me, what do you do? Really a question meant to gauge my financial status, or in this case, my importance in the arts community. Thankfully, before I could respond, my friend gently grabbed my elbow. You want to get out of here? I took one last swig of champagne and went to the front to retrieve my coat. We ended up at some offbeat dive bar, swapping out flutes of bougie bubbles for shots of house tequila. Armed with a slice of lime in one hand and a thin line of salt on the other, we cheers, then reluctantly threw back a mouthful of liquid fire that twisted our faces but warmed our bodies. By the third shot, we were laughing, reminiscing, our faces close enough to kiss. The cheap orange lighting gave our skin a warm 80s glow. You're beautiful, funny, he yelled. What took you so long to break up with, what's his name? Man, can we not? I laughed. It's over and I'm not getting in any relationship anytime soon. I'm fully dedicated to having fun this summer. This summer? He questioned. You need to give yourself a year minimum. Yeah, yeah, I said, nodding. I looked around, then back at him. Tequila vision turning this whole scene into a movie. I mean, he was handsome before the last shot, but now this dude was starting to look like Idris Alba. When he smiled, his perfect pearly whites took up half his face, giving way to tiny dimples on both cheeks. Tall, dark, handsome and someone I'd never seriously date. Man, we might as well get this whole potential hookup tension out the way. Another joke was made, our eyes met, and I impatiently asked, are you going to kiss me already? Visibly taken aback by my bluntness, he dropped his head and chuckled. One hand slowly moved to my waist. He leaned in, our lips touching, exploring, quickly finding a comfortable rhythm. I felt the full body buzz of that tingly newness. Passion unobstructed by commitment. Pleasure untainted by possession. A couple weeks into our special agreement, I was stretched out on his couch working on my laptop, he on his. I'm going to run and get some orange juice, water, you want anything? He asked. Nah, I'm good, I replied. He mistakenly left his laptop open, a flood of iMessage notifications disturbing my peace. 
I leaned over, determined to put them on mute, but when his messages popped up, a girl, saved under Tish, was blowing him up, cussing him out over his lack of responsiveness, broken promises, accusing him of never wanting to see her, and she asked him several times if he even really liked her. I probably look like that Michael Jackson gif. You know the one where he's in the movie theater eating popcorn? I scrolled through a couple more of their messages, because I'm nosy, and I didn't feel a single tinge of jealousy, not even an ounce of envy. All I could think was, girl, life becomes so much easier when you stop worrying if they like you. Start with, do you like them? Then proceed. I sounded like a reformed smoker, giving talks about how burning your energy on changing serial bachelors into boyfriends can tire your lungs and eventually turn your heart tar black. Now that I had a pretty solid roster for the summer, it was time to take a solo trip. I'd been eyeing a resort in Port Antonio, Jamaica, whose vibe matched my mood. Chill, unbothered, bright, lush, fresh. The room was sitting in my cart for a week before I pressed purchase. How Neka got her groove back had a ring to it. Why not? But Angela Bassett also went with her BFF, Whoopi, and they had an epic-ass time. So I asked my BFF, Asiami, if she could go last minute, and being the wonderfully spontaneous friend she is, she agreed, booking her flight without question. The resort transfer was already waiting outside when I landed in Kingston. A cool-ass, smooth-ass guy named Nick greeted me with a sly smile and loose handshake. We still had, due to crazy Kingston traffic, about three and a half hours until we got to the resort. We talked about everything from politics in Jamaica to Nick's journey back to his country after spending his youth in New York. When we finally hit the countryside, Nick opened the sunroof and passed me the ox. I was headed to a place I'd been stalking for six months. I was single, free, blasting life of Pablo, letting the salty sweet wind fill my lungs as I belted out the lyrics. Do you mind if we make a stop? Nick asked. No. No problem, I assured. He pulled up to a dimly lit jerk spot in the middle of nowhere and parked the car. Nick pointed to the chalkboard menu and gave me suggestions on what to order. Um, I'll have a quarter chicken, festival, and a red stripe, please. Nick and I took our order to the other side of the road, setting it on a stone barrier separating the street from the ocean. I didn't realize we were only a few feet away from the water, stars lighting the white tips of the waves as they splashed against the rocky walls. Do you smoke? Nick asked shyly. Um, not really. I, like, I mean, I never buy it, but I will. I, I definitely would. I stuttered. Okay, be right back. He returned with a perfectly rolled blunt and an extra red stripe. I took one hit, then bit into the juicy, tender, spicy piece of perfectly cooked jerk chicken, breaking off a piece of festival to add to the mix. Nick, this is, bro, this is the best food. I have ever had, I said, fighting back a single tear. He laughed and handed me back the blunt. I inhaled the herbs, exhaling a puff through my nose. Nick looked at me, shaking his head, laughing again. Why do I feel like you needed this? He asked, examining my visceral reaction to the scene, the conversation, the weed, the food. I was, for the first time in a long time, focusing wholeheartedly on me. Because I did, I replied.
Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to episode five of Passing Through. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating, a review. I really enjoy this process. You guys make it, like I said, so much sweeter. I appreciate you so much. 